Welcome to Apologetics Talk Radio with your host, Marty Mento, the Christian talk radio show that helps you learn the Word of God so that you may teach others and defend biblical truth. Now, here's your host, Marty Mento. Well, welcome back to Apologetics Talk Radio here on the ATR Network with your host, Marty Mento, where lies are laid to rest under God's truth. What a pleasure, what a privilege to have you back here again for ATR in our podcast. I'm sitting here um, kind of upset. I just realized uh, just uh, within the last half hour, I guess, when I was uh, during uh, one of my broadcasts of the podcast, uh, I had visitors at my door, and um, I didn't even realize that they were here. Uh, you know, especially when I'm caught up in my podcast, I'm in my own little world, but, uh, here in my own little secluded area of the world, um, you know, sometimes I don't recognize what's going on, but, uh, oh, I wish I would have been able to be there. Uh, they left me a pamphlet entitled who really controls the world. Do you think it is God, humankind, or someone else? This is all brought to you by your friendly neighborhood uh, Jehovah Witnesses. <laughs> I am so, I'm not being facetious either. I, I just upset. I wish I would have had the opportunity to share with them. And um, I, I really enjoy sharing the gospel. Um, I enjoy asking people questions. Uh, I've shared this before on ATR, but I'll share it again. When I'm sharing the gospel, whether it be with uh, Jehovah Witness, Mormons, atheists, agnostics, I don't care who it is, I am sharing about Jesus. I want to talk about Jesus. And um, that is the focal point. And hopefully you know as well as I do that Jehovah Witness do not bring about the true biblical Jesus. They teach about another Jesus. They bring another gospel. Uh, it is a cult. It's false, and um, we need to, with passion, in love, share the true gospel message with them. And um, they are um, interesting and challenging at times. But uh, I am so um, uh, just—I wish I had, you know, I wish I had the opportunity. I guess it wasn't providential today for me to be in, you know, speaking to them. But I, I bet you they're going to come back because they left it. And what's so interesting, in my location— the secret undisclosed location deep in the heart of South Carolina. I'm kind of surprised that they're here uh, because in this small little neighborhood that we do live in, and it's small, uh, I've never seen them before. So this uh, they must uh, they must be branching into new territories, uh, which will be interesting. But uh, but anyways, I look forward to the next time they they come around. Well, um, last podcast, we talked about the topic that's uh, kind of taboo. No, no, you don't go there. Talking about the wrath of God. People don't want to talk about the wrath of God. Um, matter of fact, the Jehovah Witness, they like to talk about the wrath of God. They like to use it really to kind of just, you know, that's kind of really their springboard. Their, they, they come after people with that. And I know that that... You know, I know what they teach, what they bring is false, uh, but I have to say this, that uh, there has to be a starting point, and that starting point sometimes, even in our evangelical, our Christian biblical presentation, you know, we talk about the good news. That's what the gospel is, the evangelium. It's, it's the good news, and the good news is about Jesus Christ, but in the midst of the good news, there's bad news. 
and the bad news is about man. And in that bad news, there has to be distinction about what man should be afraid of, what man should repent of. Ultimately, man should be afraid of God. And we should be afraid of God because God's wrath is coming upon men because men are sinners. Uh, And sin is serious in the eyes of God. Sin separates man from God. And you've heard me talk about this time and time again. I cannot stress the importance of it. I I really can't. But at the same time, we know that the kindness, the tolerance of God, the patience of God leads men to to repentance. So so I, I don't want anybody to get the wrong impression of the previous podcast and today's podcast. Because um, there is both sides of the coin that need to be presented in the gospel. But I am afraid that many people today, once again, as it says in the last days, there will not be any fear of God before them. They're not going to fear God. And people are like, well, I'll roll the dice you know, when the time comes. Uh, whatever takes place is going to take place. I, that scares me to death when I hear people, knowing that what I know now what Christ has done for me, when I hear people talk like that, it drives me right up a wall. Because I know what they're saying is not true. But they're saying in ignorance and foolishness, they're believing things that are just not true. And so, you know, I that's the type of person that I want to engage in conversation and, and, and let them know how, you know, how real and how serious of a subject this is when we talk about eternity. We talk about leaving this world and going into eternity, and we talk about the judgment of God, and we talk about the wrath of God, and that's what we were doing last time we got together here, and we were looking at Romans chapter 1, verse 18, which I'll just remind you again what it says, but in uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 18, it tells us that the wrath of God, and listen very carefully, because this is, there are so many, uh, well, they're just... It's just wow. When you when you read the book of Romans, but Paul here is he's the human writer, he says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. And last time we got together, we made it clear that the wrath of God is God's indignation, is his righteous anger, it's his vengeance. Um it, it is just anger. Um it is the vengeance of God coming against sin. And men are sinners. People that are in hell experiencing the wrath of God are people. Uh, men are sinners. They're born sinners. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Um, Romans 3.23, uh, we, we know that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. Romans 6.23. I mean, we could talk about verse after verse, but we know that the sin is serious. Uh, David, sin is, all sin is against God. David talked about that when he in one of the Psalms because he had sinned greatly against God with Bathsheba and then killing having her husband killed and the whole nine yards. Um, you know, we could go on and on. We know that sin separates us from God. And God is going to deal with sin. And he is going to deal with sinners in an eternal way. It's not a temporal way. Matter of fact, somebody just recently, and I think I kindly mentioned it last podcast, but I had received something in the mail, and when I received this in the mail, I noticed the person apparently who sent it to me must have been, uh, well, they're seven-day Adventists, and they sent a bunch of tracks, 
And one of the tracks was about hell, hell not being what people think it is, and so-called Christianity has created hell to be a place that doesn't truly exist, and it's not forever, it's this and that. And I I was reading through it, and, and I thought to myself, yeah, that sounds really good, except for if I go right to the words of Jesus Christ himself, talking about the torment, telling the story of the rich man and Lazarus, which I use and I use all the time, because it's not a parable, it's a story. Obviously, Lazarus was known by these men uh, that he was speaking to, the Jews at that time, uh, the people that were listening. Obviously, they knew him to be a beggar. They knew about his sores. They knew about him being in front of the rich man's house. Um, They knew what Jesus was talking about. And Jesus shows that men, when they die, they either are carried into the bosom of Abraham, which is another reference to heaven or the paradise or the kingdom of God, or uh, in the Hades, uh, in the hell, uh, into that place where there's torment and agony, and there's a flame, and and the list goes on. And 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 here the rich man wants you know Abraham to send Lazarus to warn his brothers are still you know send them back to tell him don't come to this place and yada yada. But the truth of the matter is that some people want to just negate all that. You can't negate it. Um, if we negate it, then Jesus was lying. If we try to downplay it, then then we don't see the significance. And I know as people will talk about, because prior to that, they were talking about uh, wealth and money and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, but you're missing the point here. Jesus makes it clear that there is eternity. And when eternity is met by men, there's only two places they're going to be, either in the kingdom of God or they're going to be separated from God in a place of torment, conscious torment. Uh, and that place is a fearful place where the wrath of God is poured out upon men, ultimately in a place that we call the lake of fire. Um, But the bottom line is this topic, the wrath of God, many people just don't want to deal with it. Uh, I dealt with it not too long ago in a podcast that I think I've I've frightened some people who came to a Bible study that I was teaching on, and I think some people maybe misunderstood me. Uh, and I mentioned it last podcast, I, I think today we find so many people, all they want to do is tell, you, you know, if if you believe in Jesus, this is what Jesus can do for you. It's always meeting men's needs. Men are alcoholics, they're, you know, they're, uh, they're liars, they're cheaters, they're thieves, uh, you know, they're fornicators, they're all this. And if, you know, if you turn to Jesus, they're drug addicts, Jesus can do this for you. Jesus can do that for you. It's always what can Jesus do for you? But the thing that everybody wants to leave out and don't want to talk about is the reality thing. Only God, through Jesus Christ, whom he has determined, is the only way of salvation. God has given to men what men need to be saved from God himself, from his wrath. His wrath that is real, his wrath that is coming. God's given us the answer. But we don't want to talk about that. That's the thing that bothers me the most. We, it seems like we are, uh, we're afraid of it. We're just afraid because we, we think that that'll turn people off. And I say no. It, we have to tell them the truth. Um, God saves you from himself. He saves you by himself. He saves you for himself. And he does it through his only begotten son, Jesus the Christ. There's no other way. So when I talk to people, listen, I want to look at the bigger picture. I want to go to the root of the problem. Can Jesus deliver the drug addict? Yes. 
Can Jesus deliver the homosexual? Yes. Can Jesus deliver the drunkard? Yes. Can Jesus deliver the liar, the cheater, the stealer, the foreigner? Yes, 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 and more yes. But the real issue that is at hand that nobody wants to talk about, and it seems like we shy away from it because everybody thinks it's, uh, you know, it's that kind of hell and damnation, condemnation teaching that, you know, people don't want to hear. First of all, we don't even understand salvation. If we understood salvation, we would not be uh, negated or we would not negate or be afraid to share the truth with people. We would allow God to be God and do what only God can do. And, And so my point simply is this. When I talk to people, I want to talk about the bigger picture. The bigger picture is eternity. What matters the most is where they're going to spend eternity, either in the presence of God, experiencing joy, bliss, and, uh, you know, in a place where there's peace and comfort and love and joy, or you experience this aspect of God, his wrath, you experience in hell, uh, you will be in torment consciously. You'll be aware where you're at. You'll never be able to leave. The wrath of God is real. And again, some would say, well, it's just your different perspective, Marty, of the way you share the gospel versus the way other people share the gospel. I've heard that bunch of nonsense for years. Bulloney. Let's get to it. Why repent? I've said this on a previous podcast. Why call men to repent? Repent from what? From their sin. Why? Because sin is serious. Because, because of sin, the wrath of God is coming. The wrath of God. As I mentioned last podcast about the, you know, the I saw a clip of a of a movie about a tsunami, and some people took heed, some people didn't. But guess what? The tsunami was still coming, and the tsunami just brought devastation. But I want to on this podcast, I want to bring to you, um, and I'm not going to hit every single reference to the wrath of God. To do so would be. Well, we'd have to probably do another podcast, but I'm going to bring what we find within the Word of God. And first of all, we already mentioned Romans 1, 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven uh, against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness. So we, we know that. We know that there is a precursor. God gives us a glimpse. And matter of fact, for some of you out there who may be wondering what would be some examples of that, uh, I believe throughout the Bible we have seen some examples and degrees of God's wrath upon man. We see Noah and the flood, Sodom and Gomorrah, the plagues, uh, death and destruction to cities, etc., etc. We've seen many different places in the Bible uh, degrees or aspects of God's wrath being revealed. Um, and it will continue to be revealed. There will continue to be the glimpse into the ultimate finality where men are cast into the lake of fire forevermore. And again, that's eternal. And I said to somebody the other day, if, if we all just burn up or we cease to exist, you know, or there's pain for a little while, then it's gone. Who cares? Why don't you just sin against God and live the life that you want to live? No big deal. See, but that's not true. That's what people are teaching today, which I believe the enemy wants people to believe, that God's judgment and his just judgment upon men is not going to be everlasting. It's going to be temporary. So what's the big deal? So I go through some pain for a while. There's other people going through the pain too, but it'll eventually stop. It'll end. That's not what the Bible says. It talks about God's wrath and hell and lake of fire as being eternal. 
It's ongoing. So anyways, let me let me share this with you. We also know from the Bible in Romans chapter 2, as I've already mentioned it, verse 5, that the wrath of God is also coming against those who really are the self-righteous sinner. Uh, if you study Romans and you understand uh, the passage, and, and again, context is everything when we study the Word of God here, Paul is—he starts out in chapter 2 basically talking about those who are condemning others and judging others, but they are doing the same thing. They are guilty before God, too. But he says, because of your stubbornness and unrepenting heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation in the righteous judgment of God. Well, the bottom line is this. All men need to repent. All men are guilty. We come in on the same playing field. And there's those who think they're religious, they're self-righteous, they think they're better than other people, they don't need to repent, and they always want to point their fingers, they always want to condemn. I talked about that in the last podcast. See, one of the things I think that people, when they talk about hell, when they think talk about God's judgment, they, they're condemning people like they're the judge and the jury. And see, it should be from one poor, wretched sinner to another. Please, please repent. This is, you know what's going to happen, what's going to happen. I understand. I mean, you come to the point in place where you realize what God has done for you. You realize you deserve the same thing because you were in the same place. You're in the same boat. You were a sinner that needed a Savior, just like the sinner that you're talking to needs a Savior. There has to be compassion and pity. There has to be grace. There has, there has to be an urgency. You're no different. You've been saved, as all men are saved, by the grace of God through faith. And that faith is in Jesus Christ. And that's a gift of God, not of yourself, lest any man should boast about it, saying, hey, listen, it's not a works. Hey, listen, this is what I did. No. The truth of the matter is we got to come to this point. we got to see people the way that Christ sees people. All men are sinners. They need a Savior. Without Jesus, all men are going to experience the wrath of God. All men. No exceptions to the rule. And see, that's where I think we're missing it today. Because, and Paul's making it clear here too, the people that were pointing their fingers at people, judging them and condemning them, they're doing the same thing. And they think because what? Because they're Jews? Because they have some religion in their background, they have some ancestry, some tradition, whatever the case may be, because there are a certain sect of people that, you know, God's going to give them a pass go? No. Matter of fact, what's amazing about, uh, as you read chapter 2 and chapter 3, God demonstrates through Paul that all men are guilty. All men are on that same playing field. Then in verse 3, it says, But to those who are selfishly ambitious, do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. What is the truth? Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Obey what God has said. Don't come to the table believing you don't need it. You're better. It's like the story of the, the rich man and the publican. The publican wouldn't even look to heaven, but beat his breast and say, Lord, you know, have mercy upon me. I'm a sinner. That should be the cry of every human being. Every human being should look for the mercy of God because they're guilty. They deserve God's wrath. That was a hard thing for me to come to terms with because I was raised in the church. Now, I tell people, I'm not proud. You are. I am not going to sit down and tell you about my past. Matter of fact, I, I, I had somebody not too long ago said, tell me a little bit more about your past. No, 
I don't want to. I'm ashamed of my past. I'm ashamed of things I said and did growing up in the church, things that even today my mother or other people don't know about me. There are some that do know certain things. But the truth of the matter is that was my past. That's the old man. But when I truly, when Christ saved me, I didn't get saved. Christ saved me. The night that I was saved, I came to that stark realization. You're not who you claim to be. You're as wicked as other wicked people. You're as wicked as the people that you have spoken out against. You're as wicked as those that others and along with you have talked about and have condemned verbally. You're just as wicked. And I realized that night, if you've ever heard my testimony, that night I realized, too, that I, I was not that new creature. Yeah, I went through the pray this prayer in Fort Wayne, Indiana, asked Jesus into my heart stuff, which is all non-biblical, all of it is. And, you know, we all celebrated, high-fived. You know, that Sunday at church, everybody was like, you know, whoa, yeah! You know, we went through baptism, you did all the stuff you do, you know, and that, and, you know, welcome to the kingdom, you're a child of God, only to realize nothing has ever changed in your life. It was a dog and pony show. And see, that's why when I look at this, we, we have to realize the gospel message is the gospel message for every person. There is no, you know, God is not a respecter of persons. There's no bias with God. Did the Jews have an advantage? Yes, they did, because they had the oracles of God. They had the prophets. They had things. But even then, they didn't believe. And we could talk about that sometime in death, but that's why when when the gospel began to spread to all the world, for God so loved the world, the fact of the matter, there's others outside of the Jewish people, God's chosen people that would receive, that would bring about jealousy amongst the Jews, because they were proclaimed to be the, the children of the living God, Samaritans and Gentiles, etc., but, but we see here from this passage the realization that religious self-righteous people, uh, people who are contentious, people who are disobedient, the wrath of God is coming upon you. Then we look other places. Like, for instance, uh, we've talked about this before, but, you know, everybody knows John 3.16 and 17 and 18. But at the end of chapter 3 of the book of John, uh, we have this a warning. Listen to what it says. It says very distinctively, and I'm going to read it here as soon as I get to the page. I'm kind of stalling for a moment. There it goes. He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not believe or obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Abides on him. So, it, it, so you know, I mentioned this in the first podcast. So what if I don't believe in Jesus? So I don't believe in Jesus. Who cares? What's the big deal? The wrath of God is upon you. If you listen to my podcast, I don't care who you are, where you're from, if you've not put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and him alone for your salvation, to receive forgiveness of sins, to be reconciled, uh, to be justified, declared righteous uh, by God himself because of the blood that was shed on the cross for your sin, I can go on and on and on. If you truly have not put your faith, your trust in Jesus Christ, you, when you die, are, as God says it, the wrath of him is abiding upon you. You're guilty. You're condemned. You're in trouble. God's wrath abides on you. And matter of fact, I, I would say that if you deny him now, 
and you turn away. Now, only God knows the heart of each and every person, but we know that Paul even addressed this issue. Um, that is, you know, when you think about the gospel and presenting the gospel to people, we know that only God can do a work um, that God can do in people's lives. But it says in 1 Corinthians 1.18, for the word of the cross is to those who are perishing foolishness, but to those who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, see, p- people who reject Christ, uh, they, they think the message of the cross, Jesus, this whole thing is nothing but foolishness. They, ma- they laugh, they mock, they don't want to hear it. They stand opposed to it. Whatever the case may be, I'm saying to you, we know from the Word of God that specifically, distinctively, the wrath of God abides upon this person. So if that is you listening to this podcast, then the wrath of God is abiding upon you. And once again, if you are not afraid, or as some have told me, I'll take my chance uh, when I get there before God. Uh, I had another man tell me, well, I'll just tell God what I think about him when that time comes. Let let me tell you right now, what a fool you are. Seriously. That's like you you have a a poison, you know, warning label on a container, and you said, yeah, I don't don't believe this. Who cares? I'm going to go in and drink it anyways. I mean, that's, I would say it's paramount, tantamount, but it's probably, it's worse than that. Because there's more than just a label on a bottle. There is around us the evidence. There's around us the people that should be proclaiming the truth and and telling us there's within us a reality check. I mean, I I could go on and on. The truth of the matter is people who deliberately, purposely reject Jesus Christ are calling God a liar. That's what God says. And his wrath is abiding upon you. His wrath. That's why I said last podcast, this is not a joke. I'm I'm not trying to get people to join some type of movement. I'm not trying to get people to become like me. Matter of fact, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And I've said this for years when I was pastoring, too. If I'm not pointing people to Christ, I don't belong behind the pulpit. And that's what's so ironic, too, because so many people in the pulpits today talk all about themselves and not about Jesus Christ. And it's narcissistic. It's about them, like they're the Savior, like they're going to do something. That if you become more like me, you're better off. Matter of fact, Paul said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. See, the truth of the matter is Christ should be seen in all of us who claim to be Christians. But if not, man, you shouldn't be imitating anybody. But the truth of the matter is there's only one focal point, and that is Jesus Christ. It's not us. There's some other passages, too, that go along with this that I think are very important. Um, Like, for instance, I've already mentioned this last time, but in Ephesians chapter 2, matter of fact, if you really want to understand uh, the doctrine of salvation, soteriology, as they would call it in theology, I would encourage you to study Ephesians chapter 1 and chapter 2, and I mean that too. Wow. You will learn so much if you break it down, you study. As a matter of fact, some people, I know people that have begun to study it that get upset uh, because of what God tells them. Uh, I know other pastors that won't preach on certain verses in Ephesians chapter 1, which shouldn't even be pastoring and shepherding and preaching in the first place because of their, of their unwillingness to allow God to speak, because they don't like what certain things, once again, God says about salvation— But it does say this in Ephesians chapter 2, to move on here. It says this very instantly. 
Listen to this carefully. It says here, and you were dead in your trespasses and sins. That's how everybody comes into this world. They're dead spiritually. They're neck crossed. They're a corpse spiritually. In which you formerly walked according to the course of this world that is now working in the sons of disobedience, um, according to uh, the power of the air, the spirit that is now working, excuse me, in the sons of disobedience. I, I, I put those verses backwards. Forgive me. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh. So Paul says, even myself, those of us who are here with me, be, be, we, were, we were no different than anybody else in the world. We lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind. In other words, Paul's painting the picture here that, that, that men are depraved. And listen to what he says. And we're by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. By nature, children of wrath. So in our human nature, that's why I tell people, and some people get upset at me, and that's okay, and I'm not trying to woe is Marty, but I tell people when they tell people, hey, listen, God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. What is God's plan? By nature, you're a child of wrath. You come into this world a sinner. <laughs> Whoa. You're heading for God's wrath. You're guilty. You're condemned. You're in trouble. Hello? And the danger, if you heard me say this before, while a loving person, truly the loving person wants the best and will do whatever they have to to keep that person from harm. And so there's a lot of people who say, well, God loves me, so he's not going to bring harm to me. He's never going to send me to hell. He's not going to allow me to go through all that because he loves me. There is a aspect of God's character, attributes that we have to understand. He is just. He is holy. He has to deal with sin. He can't turn his back on it. And he did the same with Adam. Adam was guilty, and Adam, because of sin, he was condemned. And God stepped in, and I believe God saved Adam by his grace. But as we look at this, we begin to see that by nature, men who are spiritually dead are children of wrath. Um, how about Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6? Let, let no one deceive you with empty words. Because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. And if you, you look at those things, you'll see that immorality, impurity, greed— filthiness, silly talk, coarse jesting, um, are not fit, are not proper for the child of God. Not uh, Immoral people, impure people, covetous people, idolaters, none of these people will inherit the kingdom of Christ and God. None of them will. Done. And what is the outcome? The wrath of God is going to be upon them. See, the, the picture that, the, that God paints— is a picture that is not good. There's nothing good about man. There's none who's good. There's none who's righteous. No one deserves heaven. So, so once again, when we begin to study this topic of the wrath of God, we, we begin to realize that what God says about disobedience and about sin, God is very, very serious. Um, matter of fact, Colossians chapter 3. Listen to this, starting with verse 5. 
Therefore, consider the members of your earthly body as dead to immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and greed, which amounts to idolatry. For it is on account of these things that the wrath of God will come. And in them you also once walked when you were living in them, but now you also put them all aside. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, abusive speech from your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you laid aside the old self with its evil practices and having put on the new self who is being renewed to a true knowledge according to the image of the one who created him. Now, it goes on and it talks about the bottom line is you're created to be like Christ. But you are not to have those things because the truth of the matter, those who live and those who have those things a part of their life, the wrath of God is going to come upon those people. Once again, if you study the Word of God, you you realize that this is not this is not something that anyone should you know look and say, oh, no big deal. This is the warning. This is this is what should be taught. This is what Paul is writing uh, to the church, to others, to proclaim to others. He's he's warning them to look at their own lives to make sure they are who they claim to be. Why? Because the wrath of God is coming. Then it talks about a very interesting thing in the book of Romans. I'm jumping around here. I'm just trying to get, again, I'm not going to give you every verse out there that talks about the wrath of God. But if you look at Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, verse 15, it says this, For the law brings about wrath, but where there is no law, neither is there a violation. The law, the word, the law, that's which God has brought to man. He brought to the Jews, and he's brought to all men, the law, his law. The law brings about what God expects, what God desires, what he commands of men. And men are to keep the law. The truth of the matter is no man can keep the law. Every man is guilty. I've talked about this before. If you look if you look like at the law, just the Ten Commandments, there's no one who can keep the Ten Commandments. All men are guilty. So when it looks when we look at the law, even what is expected from us from the law, uh, from the Jews, like for instance, their sacrifices and things they were to do, they, they wouldn't even keep it. They couldn't keep it. Even though self-righteously, some of them would have said, well, I, I, I've kept the law. I've done everything that I need to do. And what, when Jesus confronted men like that, he would show them the depth of their heart. He'd show them where they have failed. See, the law becomes our tutor that what? Leads us to Christ. We realize that we're guilty by the law. We realize that we're helpless. We realize that we need the mercy of God because we can't keep the law. We're doomed. We're lawbreakers. And if we break the law, as it says in James chapter 2, verse 10, in just one one area we break the law, we're guilty of breaking the whole law. We're, we're done. We're lawbreakers. Every human is a lawbreaker. And because of the law, what does it say? Once again, Romans 4, 15, for the law brings about wrath. Because you are, you know, for the wages of sin is death. Death is separation. Ultimately, in that separation is the judgment, the righteous indignation, the righteous, just wrath of God is going to be poured out. So I I look at this, 
and I, I go on, it talks about the, the day of wrath in Revelation 6. It talks about the wrath to the uttermost in 1 Thessalonians 2.16. It talks about uh, the wicked will drink the wine of wrath in Revelation 14. Um, it talks about the seven plagues or the seven vials will finish and pour out God's wrath upon them in Revelations uh, 15 and 16. It talks about in Revelation 16 the fierceness of God's wrath. Um, and Luke 21 talks about the day of great distress and wrath of God being poured out. Uh, Psalms 21 talks about the wrath upon God's enemies. Um, we're told to flee, as John told uh, the Pharisees, who, who warned you to, to flee from the wrath to come, Matthew chapter 3, verse 7, Luke 3, 7. We know that J- Jesus, though, saves us from his wrath. Now listen, this is where the good news has to kick in. And because of our time, I, I wanted to kick in because it's so important. If we go and we still in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 5, uh, verse 9 tells us this. Listen carefully. Much more than having been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. See, there is only one person who can deliver us, save us, protect us from the wrath of God that is yet to come. That's Jesus. Um, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible, and I, I have taught on this and taught on this, and i got to be honest with you, I don't get tired of teaching on it. Uh, maybe you've never heard me teach on it, but it is actually Romans chapter 5. But specifically, um, looking at um, verses 6 right through uh, verse 11. And I'll tell you why. Because in chapter 5, verses 6 through 11, the Bible paints the picture of what man is all about. Listen to this. For while we were still helpless, we were helpless. Um, we were without strength. I'll tell you how helpless we were. We, we stand condemned. We're guilty. We're, but we're spiritually dead. We're helpless. The only one who can make us alive is, is God himself. And he does it through Christ. We are helpless. We we can't make ourselves right with God. We can't. And, and I'm giving you the shortened version here, but if you study the Word of God, you realize, once again, just like the publican did, all you could do is not even look to heaven, just beat your breast and cry out for God's mercy because you're helpless. You deserve the wrath of God. You're guilty. You deserve God's condemnation. You deserve to be separated from God because he's holy and you're not. He's righteous and you're not. He's pure and you're not. He's good and you're not. And the list goes on. But listen to what it says. For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. Christ died. See, the answer to our helplessness, the answer to our ungodliness, which ungodliness paints a picture of being vile and just evil and wicked and and haters of God, the answer is Jesus died. He suffered. He went to the cross. He shed his blood, the death, blood, sacrifice, propitiation. And what does it say next? Listen to this. It says here in verse 7, For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. Well, first of all, we're not righteous. 
none who are righteous, chapter 3 of Romans. There's none who's good. Not one person. So Christ didn't die for you. He didn't die for me. He didn't die for anybody in the world because they were righteous or because they were good. Because no one fits that bill. See, this, this is something that I think, too, that's not being taught today. Because, as I said earlier, we come in on the same playing field. All of us are guilty. All of us deserve the wrath of God. We deserve hell. We are by nature children of wrath. We come into this world as sinners. We're guilty before it. But once again, I want you to think about this. Christ, at the right time, Christ died for you, the ungodly person. He died for you, the spiritually helpless person that can't make things right with God, who can't find a way to be justified before God. You're not good. You're not righteous. Isaiah said all of my righteousness is what? It's filthy rags. Giving us a picture of a woman's menstrual cycle and the rags that she used during that cycle period. And look what it says next. It gets much better, so hold on tight. This, this is really good. It says next here, but God. I love those two words. But God. Not man, not anybody else, but God. Demonstrates his own love towards us. I've said this for years, and I always say it. You know, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. If that stopped right there, and there was a period, my question to God would simply be, how do I know you love the world? But see, it doesn't stop there. There has to be a demonstration. See, love is an action word. I, I love this. I get I get so passionate about this. I Maybe I'm getting a little preachy here on the podcast, but you just bear with me. Love is an action word. I could tell my wife a million times a day, I love you, honey, love you, honey, love you, and I do love her. I love her. She is just 30, going on 35 years of marriage. That's a, that's a lifetime. And I love her. I love her. But yet I have to demonstrate that I love her. I could say it to him blue in the face. It's not until I demonstrate that I prove my love for her. Same thing with God. It says, for God so loved the world, he gave. There's the demonstration. Who did he give? His only begotten son. I mean, when you start thinking about this, this is mind-boggling, and we go back here, but God demonstrates his own love towards us, then while we were yet sinners, here's another, sinners, we missed the mark. Sinner, uh, Sinner is one who's missed the mark. God is holy, we're not. Uh, He is everything opposite of us. Because of sin, because of the fallen garden, we, we are enemies. We, we stand opposed to the things of God. Uh, uh, we are sinners. We, we break the law of God. We, we, we miss the mark. He wants us to be pure. He wants us to be perfect. He wants us to be holy like he is. And, and we are not. But listen to what it says. He demonstrates his own love towards us. And while we were yet sinners, once again, number two, here it comes again. Christ died for us. Once again, the death, the answer is Jesus. I don't know about you, if you're listening to pod, that's After Christ saved me, this passage, I, I don't even remember exactly when, but it has been years upon years now. The verses I'm reading to you, I cannot get out of my bosom. It won't let me go. 
because everything here that is painted in this picture is a picture that is so condemning, so damning, so ugly. And that picture is of me. And that picture is of every human being. But what blows my mind is when I study these verses, it's a constant repetition that God shows us the answer. Christ died. Christ died. Christ died. Listen to what it says here in verse 9. Much more than having now been justified by his blood. We have been declared righteous by the blood of Jesus. We shall be what? Saved from the wrath of God through him. See, folks, there is salvation in no one else. No other name. Acts 4.12. John 14.6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except what? Through me. There's only one way. One way. One way. It's through Christ Jesus. And listen to what he says here. For if while we were enemies, see, once again, we were enemies, haters of God, didn't listen to God, disobedient, obstinate, stubborn, refusing to repent, refusing to turn to God, not seeking God, not loving him with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, enemies of his, declared enemies by God himself. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled, we were made right, we were brought back together. The differences that separated, the thing that brought us apart, that was, once again, what was restored was the relationship, what was brought together that would separated was God who was our creator, our heavenly father. He is the one who gives us life and breath, and because of sin, we are separated, we are evil, we're wicked, we're enemies, we're not good, we're not righteous. I go on and on and on. We're reconciled. We're brought back together again, listen carefully, to God through the death of his son. Once again, third time, the death of his son, the death of his son, the death of his son, the death of his son. The blood. The shedding of blood. Much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life or in his life. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom now we've received the reconciliation. <sighs> Folks, I tell you, when you read that, and you study that, and I'm giving you the shortened version, please, I mean this, I'm giving you the shortened version. Um, my heart, I, I don't know... Without trying to sound theatrical, I just want to fall to my knees and put my face on the floor before God because I'm guilty. I deserve his wrath. I deserve his punishment. I deserve his condemnation. I deserve the wrath of God. 
by grace you've been saved, through faith, not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man shall boast, Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. Jesus delivers us. It tells us in the book of Romans that those of us who've believed and put our faith, our trust in Christ, those who are in Christ, it tells us very distinctively, very clearly in Romans chapter 8, listen to these words, words that should just make us jump up and down and shout, whether you're a Pentecostal or charismatic or not. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. And then I think, last but not least, here to wrap up this podcast for today, there's so much more I could say. But I go to that passage and that place in the Bible that makes it distinctively clear as children of God. It says to us, listen carefully. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had with you and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, that is Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. And later on, it tells us that in the same book that we will not experience that fullness of his wrath someday. We will never experience that wrath because he's delivered us. All praise, all glory, all honor goes to our Lord, our Savior, our Master, our King, Jesus. Folks, do you see why this topic of the wrath of God is so important? Because in this topic, we bring about the great and the glorious gospel message for people. That's what we're missing today in the church. People can condemn and say, all you want to do is bring hell, fire, and brimstone. But the truth of the matter is, that's the wrath of God that is yet to come. We need to warn people. We, we need to stand tall and strong and say, listen, but in the midst of this truth of the wrath of God that is yet to come, I want you to hear the good news. There's an answer. You don't have to experience it. Your children don't have to experience it. Your parents don't have to experience it. Your spouse don't have to experience it. Your co-workers don't have to experience it. Your neighbors don't have to experience it. No man, no woman, child has to experience the wrath of God. There is an answer. There is a solution, and his name is Jesus, who is the Christ, the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And that's why we are told that the gospel message for those who receive it, believe in it, they are no longer condemned. They are saved by it. They put their faith, their trust in Jesus and him alone. And they will not. Once again, I cannot stress this enough to every one of you out there who are listening to this podcast. They will not experience the wrath of God. But until then, we're going to see the glimpses. We're going to see the 
precursor. We're going to see the evidence as God, as his wrath is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, all unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. We're going to see it. We're going to experience to some degree. We're going to suffer to some degree. But ultimately, we're never going to experience his wrath, the fullness of his wrath in a place called hell, because we're no longer under condemnation. We have been saved. We have been justified. We have been reconciled. We have been forgiven. And the promise, how we know, he seals us with the Holy Spirit. The down payment of what is yet to come. Folks, I cannot stress enough. It is always, as always, it is just a blessing from the bottom of my heart to bring this podcast to you. And uh, again, I'd love to hear from you. Um, you know, even if you disagree with something I've said or you're amening and you're just all excited, it means a lot to me just to know that you're out there listening to Apologetics Talk Radio here on the ATR Network. I'm your host, Marty Minto. My prayer is that you would never, ever be ashamed of Jesus Christ and his teaching. Email me, martyminto at gmail.com. If you have questions or comments, I'd love to hear from you. Don't forget about the, uh, again, the pamphlet I'm offering for free. You just email me, and I'll send you out 50, 100, how many you want. It's called, Who is Jesus to You? It'll help you to share and defend the faith and help you to learn more about Jesus Christ and his claims, his, the prophecies that have been fulfilled, the miracles he did, and what the gospel is really all about. Just email me, and I'll give you that information. But until next time... The Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. And I look forward to the next podcast of Apologetics Talk Radio, where lies are laid to rest under God's truth.